Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Bit Effect. Today, we are talking about Super Castlevania 4 on the Super Nintendo, in case you didn't know. All manners of denizens of the underworld are my good friends, Mike. How about you? Oh, good man. And Craig. Every 100 years, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Craig, I was hoping we could uh, leave the story synopsis for later, but thank you oh, for that. Sorry. <laughs> um, Luke is not here because he hates any game that was made before 2005? Mm, just about, yep. So, um, yeah, no, Luke, uh, do keep in mind this is a split kind of episode where we're doing Castlevania 4 for this episode, and then next episode will be Bloodstained Ritual of the Night Moon thing. The one with the girl, not Zangetsu. So, if you have any thoughts on Bloodstained, make sure you get them into us, because by the time you hear this, you'll still have a little bit of time. No, you won't. I'm rambling. Anyway, <laughs> cut that all out, Craig. No! Sorry, I'm really no! Rusty. You will, you will. If you hear this, you've got until Sunday to send us your thoughts on Bloodstained. Okay, yeah. All right. Yeah. That works. Craig said it much better than I did. All right, Mike, let us get the stats out of the way really quick, and then we can crack into this. Sure, indeed. Yeah. Uh, Super Castlevania 4. It is a Super Nintendo game, originally released back in 1991 and over here in Europe in 1992. So for you, Dave, that would be 1991 as well. Um, and yeah, yeah, it was quite. A, it was a very early Super Nintendo game. Um, it it was supposed to be like a, a re-envisaging of the original Castlevania, but at the same time, it was it was the first Castlevania brought to. In fact, no, it wasn't the first Castlevania brought to 16-bit, was it? Um, I would have to check the dates on. It the might Genesis have been the one. first. Boy, we're just knocking this out of the park. <laughs> Hold on a minute. Okay, all right. Uh, Bloodlines, let me see. Well, one of the developers, it was his first 16-bit <laughs> video game. However. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know if Haunted Castle is technically 16-bit either. So it is a 16-bit Castlevania game. That is mm. all you need to know. Directed um, by so, Masahiro Ueno, credited in the game as Jun Ferranto, or Jun Ferrano, which I have no idea of the relevance. I know in previous games they have done some crazy sort of hammer horror sounding names, but yeah, no, again, all aliases, all made up names. So yeah, it's going to be hard to follow these guys, but yeah, yeah, came from Konami, as you'd expect from a Castlevania, and uh, yeah, hopefully that's enough for you. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm sated, as it were. So, guys, mm-hmm. I was thinking today, right? Like, uh, with this one, does this put Castlevania on the most games in a series we've done for a single series? Or is Yakuza still winning that? I think it's... Is it not even Keel? We're two and two for Yakuza. Yeah, I can't remember. Did we do Bloodlines? I thought we did. We never yes. released it, did we? It never or released we? it. Wow. So, 
Uh, gold level Patreon backers, if you remember correctly, we released a <laughs> unreleased Castlevania Bloodlines episode. Uh, okay, so this does technically put Castlevania over the top. It does. It does. All right. Okay. Um, it's kind of weird because I I think I'm really the only fervored Castlevania fan here because uh, we've talked about Castlevania before. But just as a refresher, what what's your history with the series, guys? You already know, um, Dave. You you belittled me the last time I mentioned this. Yeah, <laughs> and you know my history as well. Why are you asking? I just for the nice people. Okay, fine. This is a right. Episode. Okay. Okay. So I started with Castlevania Two. <laughs> I proceeded oh. to Castlevania Adventure, and uh, and then I found the good stuff. But it was a it was a long journey getting there. Um, and yeah, as I said previously. That you know, the box art for the games really drew me in originally. Yeah, it's kind of hard not to, especially with the cover of Castlevania Four and Three. Well, those are some ace cover arts right there. I don't mind. I don't mind Simon's little little cheesy smile on on Castlevania Two. To be honest, <laughs> I I don't know. Maybe it's the haircut. <laughs> the, the, that haircut just does me in. I can't. It's like Mega Man level box art for me. So my history. Just to segue back on topic here from haircuts, is I have played Symphony of the Night, and then I played Bloodstained, <laughs> and then I played this. That's it. It's just been Symphony of the Night, and then this. Oh, guys, 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 guys! I forgot we did Rondo because I was gonna say, Craig, you played Rondo a bit. Oh, I did. I played a bit of Rondo, but I didn't finish it. Well, uh, there's good news and bad news, Craig. Hmm. This is generally considered to be one of the better Castlevania games. Oh, that's uh, good. The bad news is it is also considered the easiest. Yeah, can I, I thought that it's... Yeah, we'll get into it. It's easy for for a very specific reason that's kind of interesting. Uh, as for myself... Mean, you, you do mean of, of the older style Castlevania games, pre-Symphony of the Night, Yeah, right? from, like, from like 1 to Rondo. Yeah, it's generally considered the easiest of the, the old school way. Was it still um, tough compared to what came later? Definitely. Oh, oh yeah, compared to something like Symphony. Oh yeah, this is this is yeah. harder than Symphony. I would say this. This is the thing. I think I've played it in the correct difficulty order to break me in. If you, that's what I'm trying to say. Oh, okay. Yeah, I get your point. Then yeah, I mean because mm-hmm. um, like comparatively to Symphony, did you have any trouble? Really, I can't remember what we said on the episode in Symphony. Um, yeah. not a great deal of trouble at all actually the, the biggest bit of trouble I had in Symphony were some of the bosses whereas in this, the bosses seem to be an absolute doddle for the most part and the platforming got one. a bit tricky, oh, well yeah except for one um, thank goodness for safe states <laughs> uh, yes uh, so uh, just for full I guess transparency um, I would imagine all three of us use safe states at some point in time um, I actually played it on original hardware and did the whole run without getting hit. <laughs> well, that, that, well, luckily, uh, Craig is going to recreate that on a stream. So be sure to tune in to Craig's original hardware no-hit stream. Otherwise, uh, no, I used, off the podcast. I, I, <laughs> I used generous save-stating uh, throughout. Um, it's curious how, like, um, well people use diff- save states differently were you of the and again this is no shame at all uh were you of the oh good i made that jump quick let me save state oh no 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 variety? i was 
um, at the start of every level, like each save state slot, save state slot one was the beginning of level one, save state slot two was the beginning oh, of level okay. two, and then save state zero was the start of every boss fight. So I had a save state for every level, plus a rolling one for bosses. That's about the same as I did, Mike. How did you do save states? Um, I didn't generally use too many. R- roughly around, you know, if I was approaching a boss with sort of lower shelf, I'd I'd occasionally do it. But, you know, quite a few of the bosses you can get through with like half health fairly well. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's not too bad. I mean, there's there's not a huge amount of... I'd say there is a boss rush section which can be a bit bit demanding. But um Oh the um the slogger and Gaibon thing where yeah, you gotta Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, that um, that sucks. But apart from that, I didn't I didn't use them anywhere near as much as for for example, I really wish there was something like this in when I was playing Ronda of Blood recently. Cause that that can be a nightmare just for a single boss, never mind a free back-to-back oh which boss out of curiosity uh a death i think it was oh yeah yeah on top of the ship yeah 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 that's that's mm. an asshole in rondo i mean to be fair he's also the the only boss in this really where i was gritting my teeth going oh you suck <laughs> um but yeah I, I did the same thing it was just uh made a save state at the beginning of every level and then if i made it to a boss i made another save state there so i could um, this game is not very long. Uh, Mike, you clocked in around what five hours? Um, I think it was a bit less than that, actually. Probably okay. about, about three and a half, four, something like that. Uh, yeah, I'm sitting close to like th- yeah, four hours was my playthrough. Uh, Craig, as a newbie, how long did it yeah. take you? I was. I th- must be up at bit seven hours. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I mean, this is, this is your first real foray into old school. Yeah. So. I did. I googled after I finished it. I did ask how long to beat, and so it was like four or five hours or something. And then it said, "In how long to beat?" Speedrun was roughly two hours. And then I went onto YouTube thinking a two-hour speedrun, and someone's completed it in like an hour and ten minutes. So I sat and watched this thing, and I'm like, "Holy absolute!" It's like a beeline of the perfect critical path through it. It's yeah. incredible to watch. Oh, I love watching speedruns of Castlevania games because it, mm-hmm. it's something I could never do. I might be able to do a speedrun in Mario, maybe, with enough practice. Yeah. I could never do it in Castlevania. So, uh, just to kick us off, the story, uh, as Mike said, it's kind of a remake of the first game story. It is very bare bones. Once every hundred years, Castlevania decides to appear and Dracula appears. And this is the Belmonts coming in and whipping him in the face until he is dead. Um... I guess let's start on gameplay changes, since, again, this is just going to be a one-episode doohickey. We can mix story in if it ever really needs it. Um, Some of the big differences between this and the one before it uh, would be there is only one ending. Uh, You have no companions. Uh, They kind of reverted back to the old school for this. Um, So you can whip in eight directions in this. That's a mm. thunderstorm, so if it comes through, not only will it be appropriate, but I'm also sorry. But, uh, yeah, we've been having thunderstorms. I thought you meant a thunderstorm in terms of the, the gameplay mechanics. I thought it was, you can, you can whip in eight directions, and that's a thunderstorm. Boom. Yeah. I'm trying to start a new trend here. Uh, uh, yeah, okay. so, well, no, the thunder is, like, loud enough to rattle the windows here, so it probably will pick up. Anyway, so you can whip in eight directions, and it is the 
first Castlevania game to do that. And I think that plays in a little bit with the difficulty, but we'll talk about that later. How did you guys feel? Like, does this make it harder or easier for you knowing you can whip in eight directions? Because a lot of times I forgot that I could. I yeah. thought it was ace. Like, it's absolutely ace in it, because, especially with things like these bloody Medusa heads and things like that. I I was whipping all over the place, and it just it works. And you block hold an attack as well, so it's like double ace. I love it. A lot of the um, a lot of the gameplay of Symphony of the Night for me involved diagonals and stuff, so it's kind of like you know stepping back from that game to this. You sort of you feel a lot more welcome, I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I really like it and being able to sort of whip diagonally upwards through 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 platforms to get enemies higher up, things like that. Oh yeah, much that was appreciated. Great. Definitely made it a lot easier to you know tame the sur- tame the environment before you sort of move further on. I have a whipping question which I couldn't figure out, no matter how hard I tried. When you whip, and I don't know if it was just an animation or whether the attack direction changed, Mm. but when you whip, can you change direction mid-whip? Like if you whip straight ahead and then whip down? I think you've worked into the next mechanic, which Dave's probably just about to mention. Right. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, um, as far as there might be a trick to do it, Mm-hmm. But as far as I, it, it might be kind of like the uh, if you press forward and whip at the same time, your whip extends a tiny little bit, so yeah. you can hit a little farther. But uh, no, there's no like you can't hit the button with yeah. while crouched and then turn it into an upwards whip. Yeah, although okay. although yeah, so if you hold down the the whip button, it becomes loose and you're free to flick it in any sort of direction within a very That's small what... range in comparison. So you can basically stand on the spot. Hold your whip button down, press all sorts of directions, and you'll see the whip doing weird little, uh, quite so quite advanced at the time sort of physics, I thought, but it's sort of just spin around sort of in your local body area instead of at full extent. Yeah. Seven hours. Did that accidentally quite a lot. Never properly figured out what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good little defensive mechanism as well. If you've got fireballs coming at you, you can just flick it about and oh yeah, and get, and get rid of them all. Although it's very weak, so... Say one hit might normally kill an enemy. If you hit them with little little jits about of your whip, it might take about two or three hits. More likely three. Yeah, it's generally not very useful for trying to kill enemy. Just out of curiosity, I used it against those bone pillars. Mm. You know, the ones that you know, spray fire. It, it took like nine, ten hits, whereas, you know, it would only take two hits of the regular whip. Um, One of the dislikes I have for this game is with you being able to whip in eight directions, that really uh, downplays the importance of sub-items. And this time, I, I tried my best to use sub-items, mm. and they don't flow as well as it did in older games. So like the axe, where it goes in a diagonal arc above you, you don't need that anymore because we can just whip in that direction. How do you guys feel about the sub-items? Oh, did you man. find them useful? I went from almost start to finish with that boomerang, and it was a case of just throwing it. When you're starting a boss fight, just start chucking the boomerang and whipping. And it, I, I got through the whole thing with just that. It seemed to just take the edge, you know, like a, a wee bit of damage ongoing while you're whipping someone in the face. Uh, other than that, I didn't use anything because you're right, most of it was pretty useless. Yeah, you want to be on the throwing... Uh, I mean, I don't know what, what's real name. Throwing cross or, like you said, boomerang maybe? Yeah. But yeah, yeah. That's, well, yeah, I, 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 it's a... It comes back. 
Yeah, that, that, it, it's it's definitely a cross, but they called it a boomerang here in uh, the West because of you know the whole no religious imagery thing. I still don't oh, know the. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, we we could mention versions later on, but but I, I still don't know the relevance of picking that boomerang back up. I'm, I'm guessing it's just so that you can throw another one out the second it's picked up instead of watching it zoom across the rest of the screen. If you limit yeah, can... that's pretty much it. You can only have so many out on the screen at once, depending on you know those little Roman numeral things that you picked up. Mm-hmm. And if you catch it, it makes it easier. I generally don't bother with catching it. It's just ah, if something comes from behind, I'll, it'll hit it. You know, mm-hmm. but picking up something like, like the, the knife the, um... is a is a is a, a sort of a an accident waiting to happen because it it's just so pointless. It feels like you're actually using more knives than you would for just whipping something. It's a uh, quite. Quite pathetic. The the majority of the weapons, oh, weapons in the game. Yeah, like I use the dagger generally in Castlevania games because you know you can hit full screen instead of waiting. But in here, they they've made even more useless with their bad damage and not really a point since you can get there. Um, I, I guess I guess for me the only useful one is the cross. Mm. But uh, one thing that that they did in this that kind of drives me insane whenever they decide to go back to do this when it comes to sub items. Is so in things like Symphony of the Night, uh, if you pick up a sub item, then the one you're using falls behind you. Mm-hmm. Whereas in old Castlevania games, it always throws me off. You accidentally pick up that dagger, well, there goes your holy water or your cross. It's just use, you can't get it back now. Apart from Rondo. Okay. And so, yeah, Rondo, you can as well. You're right. And um, it almost seems sometimes like they do that purposefully. To hit you with a bad sub item for a certain section. Sometimes they'll give you like an axe before a boss that you can really use it on, like a death or you know any kind of flying enemy. But sometimes you'll be on your way and oh, there's there's a dagger. Crap! Now I lost my holy water that I was going to use to, you know, kill the boss. Like um, what's his name? Slogger is really good with the boss. Uh, holy water. And every time I went back in there, I was like, oh, crap, I picked up the dagger, and it was kind of useless. Another thing that has changed since, well, I guess if you're going from 1, 2, 3 to this, would be you have momentum off of ledges, and you can move in midair. And that's a big thing for you, huh, Craig? Oh, it is. It's like a prerequisite for platforming is the ability to move midair. Anyone, like, I just can't deal with it not being there. Um, I prefer a lot of realism in my games about whipping Dracula to death, so I'm not a fan of mid-air control. Are um, you saying you can't jump forward and then move backwards in mid-air? Because, like... I can that's... barely get off the ground. I mean, we're talking <laughs> hoverboard length. I slightly just skim the ground and I jump. Um, did you find the change to having mid-air control in an old-style Castlevania game... Did that alleviate a lot of the difficulty for you? I think, in combination with the directional whipping as well, it did. It did mean you were quite, you know, you could you could kind of do things. You didn't feel a lot of times in in older Castlevania games. You know, you commit to a jump, and you already know it's all gone wrong because you can see stuff stuff happening just as you press that jump button. But here, you know, you you, you can sort of piddle about i mean you can even crouch and walk at the same time what sort of craziness oh, is that, that that awesome duck walk he does yeah, the, <laughs> the duck walk which which takes you you know there's there's a there's a scene where there's like spikes coming down from a ceiling 
and you just crouch walk all the way along it and you know that you could naturally sort of you know walk through it if you wanted to if you wanted to be really brave and chance you know the end to death of being hit in the head with a spike but it's like all the flexibility is there and i mean the only thing that i think didn't disappoint me in terms of the movement in this was that i always imagined you could do that sort of like cartwheel jump but you you can't <laughs> <laughs> oh the rando yeah, uh, yeah. double it, jump slide thingy i think yeah. if he could do that with his massive sprite it would have blown up a super nintendo to be honest but it would <laughs> it would have been impressive to see especially you know since you get those those orbs that drop after beating the bosses there's nothing better than backwards cartwheeling into oh an yeah orb. here you just gotta do that stupid little <laughs> jump and that, that's it you can't do the fancy stuff and that you know i keep doing it i keep double pressing just to just to see if it had happened and you know, I'm quite, I'm quite happy with. His, I think there's a, there's a bit of a similarity in his sort of movement to something like like Altered Beast. You know, because it's, it's completely different, different Simon to any other game, pretty much. In fact, what I've heard is that they, they kind of they took this art style as a, as a test for this game, and then dropped it in favor of like I think they gave the go ahead to sort of the Rondo route after everything. But it's kind of like yeah, this seems like the last Castlevania game where it wasn't very anime inspired. Mm. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess we'll talk about the, the graphics next, but but yeah, yeah. Uh, in terms of movement, I think I think everything everything is there as a piece. Uh, initially, I was you know I was a bit wary of the game. I I didn't actually pick it up at release because I was sort of thinking I don't know if this is exactly what I'm after. You know, if some something didn't look right to me, but you know, playing the game feels feels good to me. Wait a minute. You mean as a kid you didn't pick it up right away? No, no. I heard other people say it was absolutely amazing, that the soundtrack was great, etc., etc. But but something about the... It just looks a bit sort of... I know this was something that came along more with like Gears of War and stuff, but it just looks a bit sort of greyish and dark brown and stuff like that to me. And it was a- um, well, I did as Nintendo Power told me to do, and I rushed to my local game retailer, and I picked it up. Uh, no, <laughs> I um, as soon as I saw the first screenshot for it, I mean, this was before I had a Super Nintendo, I'm pretty sure. And, I mean, the Super Nintendo was a magic all unto itself, right? You know, you're seeing these screenshots for a year in Nintendo Power before it comes out, and then you see, oh my gosh, they made a Castlevania for it. I was over the moon to get this game, man. Like, I wanted this more than I wanted Super Mario Land. Because, mm. well, duh, it's Castlevania. So, I mean, as soon as I saw how big his sprite was, because, and, and a little part of this never went away. Like, like I mean, the bigness of the sprite. Mm. And uh, I, I can't remember what boss they showed. They showed a boss, and it was like, wow, that thing is huge. It's, 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 um, just that shock of seeing something that big moving fluid, semi-fluidly mm. was enough for me to go, okay, I have to have this, you know? Like a, was it was it possibly like the Golem sort of, I don't know, is that the name? I, it might it might have been, yeah, that, that, that background sprite boss fight. Yeah, it, it was that or it was the, um, oh, poop, I can't remember his name. Anyway, it was a boss fight that they showed him. It was it really jumped out at me of like, oh well, this is obviously a Super Nintendo game because it was something you could never do on the NES. Uh, before we talk about the way it looks, Mike, um, I would like to talk about how since we're on the mechanics right now, how the expanded move set changes the difficulty. Um, so, one thing I noticed while going through this was it didn't feel as designed, right? Like, there weren't very many spots where it's like, you go to jump a small gap and poof, uh, a Medusa head spawns, 
and they want you to, you know, hit it mid-jump, and then you'll be fine. Otherwise, you're going to get hit and fall in the pit. Yeah. There, this didn't feel as tightly designed because it almost felt like, well, you're so big, so they actually gave you more health. So that takes away a little bit from the difficulty. And then your moveset is so expanded that they couldn't design specific scenarios yeah. because there's so many options to go. Um, did you feel that at all? There are some weird points which I sort of have sort of popped up in my head since you me- mentioned just then because you know wh- uh, one of the most overlooked things that I always forget to even in the game is whip swinging. You know that's, that's oh yeah <laughs> you know it's brought in but you sort of like it never really gels it never becomes its thing and then especially earlier on in the game you've got way too many of those bloody panels which flip over when you land on them which sort of disguise themselves into the environment a little bit too much for my liking oh yeah oh i don't know that you know if i had negatives to point out it'd probably be all those panels <laughs> you know, that, um, that whip, yeah whip but you bring up a well un- under you bring up a very good point with those whip anchors they start to use them and they use them very heavily in the first like couple episodes and mm. episodes first couple of levels and then, poof, they kind of disappear until you've got to do that tower climb. Mm, mm. Yeah. And then they come back, and they're, well, they suck when they come back. <laughs> but, yeah, they didn't really use that. Um, what about you, Craig? I mean, did this feel easier because of the way it was designed, or just because you have played Castlevania games before? I think it felt easier, as you say, because it felt like there was nothing scripted to screw you over. Okay. You, you, you've got way you've got way more control to react to random things. Um, those panels did feel like they were there to screw you over, though, because that's, that's just like, mm. <laughs> well, especially some when they had you jump on like the series of them. Yeah, but and, um, I oh, God no, on you go, on you go. I was gonna say the one I what I had a problem with in this, and I don't know if it's just me having my timing off, but when you had to jump from let's use those uh, treasure chests. You know, those treasure chests you land on and it disappears slowly. Mm. I had a lot of trouble with that section because I it would feel like I hit the button as soon as my feet hit the ground, but it wouldn't register as a jump. And I don't know if that's my timing being off or maybe it was a little bit off in the emulation. I don't know. Did anybody have that problem when you had to do successive jumps? A little. There's, there's one um, on a level, I think, just before there where you have to jump left onto one of those panels and then jump right onto a, an edge. And I remember sort of like going, I I still, you know, even when you pull it off, you're not 100% sure whether you whether you were just lucky. <laughs> it's like a, yeah, yeah, it feels very hard to replicate it. Mm, mm. It's like you feel like maybe when the when it's sort of like knee height, you'll stand up on it, but then you can't be 100% sure whether there's some sort of clipping, you know, some sort of, I don't know, some sort of hitbox which just doesn't fully register all the time. I don't know. And and they're very generous with the edges in this. Like there was one edge I hit, and oh, yeah, like ninety yeah. percent of my sprite was <laughs> off of it. It's like your baby toe, it. your toes on it. Yeah, yeah. Did you have any? Um, actually, uh, Craig, how did you play this? Since me and Mike played on the anniversary collection, how did mm-hmm. you play it? I played it on my wee Raspberry Pi thing. You know, just like okay, so it was SNES. Emulated. Yeah, with, with with my SNES controller. Oh, oh! See, I'm I'm very glad to have my my DualShock buddy instead yeah, of an SNES yeah. controller. <laughs> um, did you have problems with the jumping? Sorry. 
Yeah, yeah, same, same, exact same thing. It sometimes felt like it's not, it's not as responsive as what you want, or you try and jump too quickly, or the, there's there's something. It makes you feel sloppy when I don't think it's me that was being sloppy. I do enjoy it when you're sloppy, right? Just to be, you know, transparent on that. Um, uh, since you played on the SNES, I mean, I granted I know it is emulation, but SNES emulation is pretty good at this mm-hmm. point. Um. I only ran into one real case of slowdown, and that was when you were fighting the mud men. You know, the mud men that would rise up, and then you would hit it, mm, and it would yeah. uh, duplicate into two. Did Was there slowdown on that, too? Because that was something I didn't remember. Uh, there, was slowdown, there was slowdown on that. There was slowdown on something else as well. It was when you're in that rotating barrel of castle mm. bit. Especially Jump, when a new enemy comes in oh, as well. If they drop in, yeah, when the same enemy times are moving along, then... Uh, there was there. There was a part towards the end where you're running across a bridge and the bridge is crumbling and bats are coming out. And if you whipped a candlestick at the same time as the bats were coming out and flying after you, there was significant slowdown there as well. Oh, so, okay. So I, I didn't whip any of the candles because I was like, yeah. ah, screw this, getting across. Okay. All right. Uh, another thing I, I I noticed that kind of irked me this time, and I don't remember it ever irking me before, but it may just be my memory, is whenever it has to scroll vertically, there's a slight pause when you hit the top of the screen, and it then it scrolls. And when I was climbing the tower, it gave me a lot of trouble this time because it would like I would jump a little higher than I thought I would trying to get to the top of the screen, and then it mm. would trigger that scroll. And it doesn't do it very smoothly. Did that bother anybody else, or was it just me being grumpy? I'm not sure I noticed it, to be honest. I, I, um, I mean, you played the what, PS4 version. I played the Switch version. It wasn't... I was playing mostly... Oh, in, I didn't know you played the Switch. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't ask. I'm not, I, I noticed there was a limited trophy collection in this, and I thought, you know what? I'd be happy to play this on the go every so often. So, uh, yeah, that was my thinking. But, but I did notice on the scrolling, it's... Um, it's not very forgiving when you, uh, I mean, it's always been like this in Castlevania anyway, but it's, it's so crazy that other games sort of give concession, probably even Konami's own games. But when, when a platform goes just off the bottom of the screen, they never even give you the lenience of like, you know, Oh, I'm, oh, no. I'm sinking off. It is now pit. a pit. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite, it's quite bad. So sometimes you sort of, you know, you jump in on the lava a little bit at the bottom of that bottom of the scroll, but, uh, no, no, apart, I didn't really know it. There wasn't any sort of hiccups which made me really, really think too much. Um, well, the, it, to to elaborate a little bit, it didn't feel like an emulation thing. It felt like a, this is just the way it was, where it just had that very slight hiccup before it starts to scroll. And it, I really only felt it on the tower when you're trying to jump from block to block to block to avoid the saw really quick. Mm. That was the only place I really felt it. Um, anyway, so we're actually, wow, we're half hour already. All right, so let's talk about graphics, like Mike mentioned. And the biggest thing was, gentlemen, are you still impressed? And I hope there was a wind that came out of the TV and blew your backwards hat off and planted you in your chair when you saw the Mode 7. Because that's what the commercials told me what would happen. (laughs) I felt sick, especially during that... (laughs) The the vertically rotating castle tower while you're running 
platform to platform horizontally. I actually had to pause it twice, and it's a short segment. But I, I honestly, I was going to hurl. Oh, the barrel. Thing? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Ugh. really? Yeah, I don't know what it was, and I don't get. In fact, I know what it might have been. It's because I was trying out Wipeout in VR, like in quick succession, and that had already made me vomit and absolute. <laughs> how horror. is how is that? Because uh, I have a feeling like oh. Wipeout in VR would make me go, "Oh boy!" Oh. They they try your best. The cockpit static, and the it's it's gentle bobbing. They try their best. I managed three laps. Finished first, obviously. Um, and I had to take it off. I was sweating. Laura managed <laughs> maybe about two corners and then was instantly like, she had to close her eyes and I had to take the headset off her because she thought she was going to pass out. <laughs> VR, fun yep. for the whole family. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Wipeout is a pretty specific case of a vomit machine. Well, and, and it's blazing fast, too. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I, actually, I should try it. I have it. I should try it. I, I've never tried the VR on that. Uh, anyway, sorry, back to Castlevania. <laughs> uh, so, did did anything else make you feel kind of queasy? Like, the, when you you know, you gotta grab that whip anchor, and then the whole room rotates oh, no, that, 90 degrees? That bit was fine. I actually really loved that section, because I thought, this is the kind of thing I like. See if the whole game was that. And you just had to navigate mazes based on dangling about in physics. I would love a game like oh, that. So more like adventure and exploratory. Than yeah, linear. yeah. It's this is the the biggest takeaway I got from this is I felt far less obviously Cynthia and Night being very very different in terms of exploration. I felt we I felt like I explored more than this and didn't really get a lot out of it. Like I felt like I could have just blitzed my way through the levels and followed a guide. Do you know what I mean? So when we got to uh, that bit and you had yeah. to think and you had to wait and you had to plan, I liked that a lot. Well, we'll probably hit it in, in notes, but I much prefer this to Castlevania Metroid style. Anyway, hmm. um, Mike, oh. does the Mo- Mode 7 stick out like a dead nun in a snowbank to you now? <laughs> you know what? I'd, I'm not. I'm not sure. One one of the really weird things is doing a podcast. It's sort of like, you know, you get to vent your stuff. You get to say, oh, I love all my games and blah, 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 all this sort of shite. But the truth is, like, it doesn't let you tell too many truths about yourself, which is that as a kid, I used to love love a good game. And, you know, over time I learned what a good game was, what a bad game was. But most of all, as a kid, I absolutely, you know, I was absolutely pleasured by just seeing good graphics in games you know graphics was almost always the the top point for me even though secretly i was saying it's about the gameplay you know i'd love love to see a, uh, a yeah. visual splendor in a game as a kid and it'd be like and and what's really surprised me about castlevania is even if it's mode 7 i mean i don't know 100 percent what's covered by mode 7 and I, I know it's that you know that, uh, that circling corridor i know it's the you know the room that turns around yeah it, it's stretching and rotating of a background layer well i mean so think like f7 or f0 and that, that whole the ground that's kind of what i was getting to next which is that you know from the very first level you're going in you're getting on a drawbridge which sort of starts turning up on you and you're going oh my word what is this look at the sizes you know, in your head, you're thinking this is re- repainting the, you know, a, a set of sprites over and over multiple times, like hand drawn, and it isn't. You know, <laughs> it's it's not. It, you know, the illusion is there a bit, but then you've got like bosses which 
scale, like we were saying before about possibly, I think it's the Gollum name or like sand sort of things. And, yeah. You know, you see all these crazy effects going on. And if it wasn't for the slowdown getting in the way around quite a few of them, and I mean, admittedly, this was a very, very early SNES game as well. But I think yeah. if it wasn't for the slowdown, I think these all pull off, pull it off quite well still. You know, I don't think they're, I don't think they feel too out of place. I mean, in comparison to something like the save rooms in uh, Symphony, Symphony of the Night, I think these are probably better integrated than those ones were. You know, the, oh, the the random the here's something made of polygons have fun injected into a into castle in Symphony of the Night. Yeah, I think it pulls it off better than that. And considering it didn't really bother me too much in Symphony of the Night, I think it's you know job well done. Um, here here the only time I got frustrated with the Mode Seven chicanery was the the Golem boss fight because mm. the hitboxes are a little funky on his sprite. Because, you know, he's a background layer. He's not actually, you know, a movement layer. So it, it feels a little squiffy to me sometimes. But I remember being a kid, to your point, Mike, and I got to that rotating barrel scene that made Craig hurl. Yeah. And I remember just pausing it and running and getting my parents and getting my brothers. Look at this! Look at this! <laughs> uh, they were not as impressed as I was. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah. It's it is you're right when when you're doing something for a podcast like this the um for me the temptation is to be that uh, gameplay over graphics kind of guy you know like uh. most of the internet is uh, but you're right your graphics are a very because if it was just gameplay over graphics everybody would still be playing rogue you know we would still just be using ASCII characters um but yeah the uh, graphics were a huge part of why I liked this so much as a kid. And, you know, of course, you get a new system and everything that's on it is suddenly the most amazing game ever, <clears throat> Switch. And you just take every justification you can to say, this was definitely worth my purchase or choosing it for my, you know, Christmas present or something like that. Mm. And it it is hard uh, being an adult where you realize, oh, you know, this is this is a little squiffy on game design and this, this wasn't a very good decision in this. And you tend to take graphics out of it unless they are absolutely mind-blowing but uh, yeah you, you really triggered something in my brain there mike thank you um well uh craig what do you think of the overall design of this like you can compare it to symphony or symphony is very anime inspired and this is very like uh western inspired yeah yeah it still it looks great like i really i really do like the design although i don't know whether this is some sort of heathen statement or something but i do far prefer the symphony of the night anime type thing and I googled a few different this this seems to be like the latest example of that style I can see before it goes all anime and shit is that or, or there might be another do you know what I mean um well let's say I would say bloodlines bloodlines is probably the last but it was sneaking okay. in there like with the um the designs on um what's his name not John Morris the other guy who uh Lacard like you know he's got the pretty Pretty, pretty, pretty anime hair and things like that. Don't ask me names. I've got notes here. I've got notes for every single boss, and I don't have a name for any boss. For what? <laughs> no, no, I meant like, like, 
that that character uh, you can uh, choose between two playable characters. Uh, one right, one okay, of them yeah, was no, very anime um, what, with the pretty up. hair and the spear. Right. Yeah. Okay. Got you. Um, keep that list handy because we'll. I'd like. I'd like to at least see what we think of each of the bosses. That'd you can totally. Cool. I could describe it, and you could guess the boss because it'd be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> we could do that. Um, all in all, uh, I think this stands up with like Act Razor in terms of. This will always look good to me. Hmm. I mean, I'm sure if you were a young kid and you saw this, you'd be like, what's with all those little squares of color? Um, but to me, like growing up with this aesthetic, uh, Castlevania 4 has always been like one of the better looking SNES games for me. Odd. Very, have I, very have I odd get that? question here. But what do you... Uh, you never be asked this question ever again in your podcasting history, but what do you think of the title screen? <laughs> Well, you are correct. Um, I will never be asked that again. <laughs> um, I, I, I the point five seconds that I spend on it are a nice impression. Like, I mean, it's just hit start and get into the game. I just, I just, yeah, found I've it, never. It's not. It's the only thing that sort of stuck out to me. Like thinking, is this really supposed to be here? That's like. Some sort of is it like some sort of beetle rushing across a wall or something like that? And, oh yeah, yeah. And like, yeah, this is the one where it's like almost looks like a gravestone, right? And there's a little ivy and kind of. Yeah, I felt like I was in a garden center or something like that. And I, <laughs> <laughs> well, you accidentally booted up Gardening Mama. Mike. But, I mean, apart from that, Very different. I, I don't have a bad thing to say about any of the graphics in the game. The, the only thing that doesn't fit my admittedly niche taste is is the title screens. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's a dumb question because why not we'll continue with the dumb questions you'll never be asked again so uh, generally I have a rule in, in video games I generally tend to put in Dave right like that's, that's my name mm. put it in with Castlevania I don't know if it's the, the calligraphy font or if it's just it fits better in the setting always go with Jonathan hmm Always, uh, that's the only game I do it. I do it in is Castlevania. Do Do you guys go? What do you put in your real name? Do you put in your screen name? What do you put in? I usually just put Letty in. I don't. I don't know. It's it, it's sort of like I. I used to always have my initials when it was the arcades when it was three digits. Then I changed it to like occasionally. I can never decide whether to call myself Michael. Michael. So I just go for for a, a cut down version. Well, of myself, Michael I? sounds a little bit better in Castlevania times. You know. Hmm. It's like, ah, it sounds a little more gothic. Um, did you ever do the ass or the sex with the three-letter <laughs> initials? Oh. <laughs> well, you failed 1980s oh, arcades. Dear God. Like, yeah. It was ass. It was all about the ass. Leaderboard, top ten, ass. Oh, look, ass be ass. Ass is in number one. I was a one sex man time. myself. Yeah. No, not no it was ass um, all the way. What about you, Craig? Do you um, put in Craig or no? This is this is it's a horrible thought now that I've thought about it. But I always use the kids' names, so I had Reese dying <laughs> time after time after time. <laughs> you know, um, whenever I get an opportunity, I'll use the kids' names. Now that's weird. Yeah, I've never heard anybody else do that. Yeah, um, I mean, except hmm. XCOM, and in which case, it was a pleasure to watch Abby get shot in the face <laughs> by one of those snake guys. Uh, okay, so why don't we do? Well, does anybody have anything left to say on the mechanics end of Castlevania, I should say? I've got a very, very brief addendum to the, the mechanics, which is just that it happened a lot of times in my game. I still don't know how you do it, but how 
Does anyone know how you moonwalk upstairs? Yes, I did it with every staircase. <laughs> is what? that actually a physical button press to do it, or is it just a no. some kind of? Oh, how does it work? Okay, okay. So, so it, let us say you're facing the staircase, right? Mm-hmm. You want to latch on to the first step, so you know your your character kind of latches on there, and then you just hold diagonally back and up. Hmm. And as long as you're holding up, you do this cool moonwalk up the stairs. Because ah. he never and changes you can do it direction once down. he's on the stairs. You, no, you can't, like, you know, moonwalk half the stairway and then <laughs> not half the stairway. You can't do that. So it might it's have been an accidental button press of the direction, and then uh, when I corrected, it was stuck to the opposite. No, yeah, uh, yeah uh, actually... Me getting used to moonwalking up and down the stairs actually boned me in a couple levels because I got <laughs> stuck on the stairs. <laughs> it's like, ah, Jesus, walk up the stairs. Because, um, and the reason why I, I guess it comes natural to me is when you see stairs, you know, you're just walking on the same plane as stairs, you go up. It doesn't make sense in my brain to just press up to go up the stairs. So I always hit up on diagonal. Hmm. And that, that, that's how you do the moonwalk. But yeah, yeah, um, I did it all over the place. <laughs> sure. So, uh, okay. So the question I was going to ask, and again, if we need to we'll edit it out, um, a lot of the podcasts I've been listening to and uh, a lot of the articles I've been reading, uh, difficulty is very forefront and center in these troubled times. Uh, kind of like uh, mainly because of Sekiro. Like, like Sekiro was a huge catalyst for people arguing about difficulty. And Craig, you're the newest member to the Whip Club. Yes. Um, if you didn't have save states, how would you feel about this game? I'd probably still get my way through it, or try to get my way through it. I've become much more, in the past wee while, much more accepting of difficulty. And I think originally my problem with difficulty was when I sit down and play a game, I want to sit down batter my way through a game, explore everything, do everything. I don't want to come up against any major difficulty because the point is I want to nail it, get it done, and move on. Difficulty never factored into my enjoyment of it. But it's since playing like Symphony of the Night, which forced like Symphony of the Night forced me, because we were doing it for the podcast, to actually die time and time and time again and still get through a boss fight. It, that unlocked something for me that made me more accepting of it, which is why like things like Bloodborne have popped back on up on my radar, because I love the world of Bloodborne, and I, lo- I love it, the look of it, I love everything about it, I love the feel of it, but I died a few times against a mob of guys really early on, and I was just like, I don't want to play this anymore, but now I do. <laughs> um, okay. Um, Mike, what about you? I mean, because difficulty hampered my enjoyment of this, right? Hmm. And, well, I was going to say for final thoughts, but since we're talking about it, I think this is too easy. Um, I didn't run into anything that caused me to die more than once. Like, even Dracula, it was one death and bam, got it, in the next try. Yeah. Now, that that could be because I'm too familiar with this game, and it's just, you know, I know this game backwards and forwards. But I also had the problem, the same problem with, and edit this out if you want, with Bloodstained. I think Bloodstained is pitifully easy. Well, Blood, Bloodstained is harder than Symphony of the Night, definitely, but it's not... I'll give you that. Yeah, it's, definitely. It, it it has a little more up its sleeve than Symphony. 
But um, when when we first got the game, uh, Mike watched me play on SharePlay, a little bit of Bloodstained. And I died a couple of times to the first boss, and then I died Mm -hmm. once or twice, uh, I think it was twice, to Zangetsu. But that was it. After that, every boss was a one-shot try. You're done. Yeah. Sangatsu is pretty much the only spike in the game, I think, as well, really, isn't he? He might be. I've played the three games that were played of this ilk that got me going on this in the order of increasing difficulty. So Symphony, then Bloodstained, and then I think this towards the end was more difficult for me. The platforming side of things got a bit frustrating more than the bosses. And as much as we talked about like how much movement is in this, it is still stiff. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like Mario. So, yeah, no. you're going to run into some trouble with that. It, I would say it doesn't even feel Mega Man. Speaking if I was Super Meat Boy in this, I could just mud that yeah. up. <laughs> I, I was going to say that. So, did, did you complete this game, Craig? Yeah, yeah, you got but... all the way through. Right. So, because right near the end, there is a section which I remember playing years ago, and I remember really being frustrated and saying, I mean, this time I was really lucky. Somehow I managed to go straight through it, but there's a there is like a vertical scrolling section where you you're required to sort of jump across onto these platforms which are going diagonally up across the screen and you can bank your head oh, on the spikes. floating mm-hmm. platforms yeah and, and i don't know whether it's like the, the random chance of what's going to happen with each one or something but this time it seemed fine but i remember back in the day it'd be like you know you jump on them and then you go oh i've lost my chance now it's scrolling up there's none of them which are going to come yeah. which are going to make me let me clear the spikes and it's kind of like I don't know. There are a lot of pretty frustrating platform bits, which luckily weren't weren't you know happening to me this time. But in the past, I remember sort of absolutely grating my teeth over them. Well, I wonder if that's come with the um, the knowledge of playing other games. Like I could, I mean, this is not a brag. Please don't don't you know? Excuse this as a brag. Um, I could kick my little self's ass at a video game. I'm pretty sure. Hmm. I mean, I mean, I don't know how many games I've gone back to, and I struggled so much as a kid. It's like, oh, oh, but this dude is just a. This was only puzzle. about six years ago. <laughs> well, I mean, you've grown very much as a games master, Mike. Let's not discount oh, that. Oh, <laughs> For that bit, I, Mike, no, like, I've that wrote... trick got me one. God, no, on you go. Just don't stop talking and say, "Go ahead, just keep on talking." Power through these. Well, if we both keep on talking, it doesn't work. <laughs> But I will always stop talking. Okay, all right. Uh, but the, the so I was thinking me too. I didn't jump enough to go to Scotland and punch Craig in the mouth <laughs> because he kept talking. No, I, I didn't jump enough. You know how there's there's four, right? Mm. And you've got to get to that fourth one before the screen actually scrolls. Otherwise, you're boned. It doesn't feel like it. So for me, that felt more like a, I gotcha. You were on the third one, not the fourth. But yeah, it only uh, once I got killed by it once. I was like, oh, okay, I just need to get on the fourth. Mm. Mm. Um, I wrote floaty mess. <laughs> that was a very insightful note, sir. <laughs> I know. My notes are awful. Honestly, awful. Um, Yeah, mine, mine are written in this weird Dave code that I can <laughs> decipher, but I don't think anybody else could. Um, But yeah, in, in terms of difficulty, so if this was harder, would it change your opinion of it? I am quite comfortable with what it does at the moment. I think some of the other Castlevania games, I'm ashamed to say it, but I save stated a hell of a lot more than I did here. And it you know, and it didn't okay. feel like I gained as much. In this case, I felt it was a lot more 
agreeable. I mean, without the save states, I reckon I could have done like I did years ago, which is learn the boss inside out, know their patterns, and then just destroy them, maybe getting hit once or twice at max. But Yeah, you almost take the boss out of the equation of like it's the level that's hard, not the boss now, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and you know, you, you know you've got to have a good run through the level to get to the boss, and then you, you're going to go from there. But other Castlevania games, you know, if you get absolutely punished, you, you're not even going to get the chance to get the, the health back by the time you even get to the boss. And, you you know, you could be, you could have messed it up within the first 10 seconds of starting a level in some cases. Here, it is a lot more. And that, you know, that is quite brutal. And it probably puts a lot of people off. And I mean, Castlevania, it's, you know, it's not stuck around in the end, does it? So I guess it's, Partially, maybe down well, to the I mean, now it cases. sort of has. But I, I mean, now with Bloodstained coming out, I mean, it's kind of back. I think that if I wanted, if I wanted your your experience of this, Dave, all I'd do is complete the game and do the second loop and see how it goes. <laughs> um, never done a second loop. Well, the second loop Ever. is pretty brutal. I think you're dead after about four hits, three or four hits. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Mm, so that's uh, was that the Japanese or the either, um, either. Western one? Uh, both. Oh, both okay. The cool. Play the Japanese one if you want a few more crucifixes in the way, and some blood <laughs> instead of slime. You have blood. And that whip sounds and boobies, <laughs> boobies. Yeah, the whip sounds, the boobies, the blood. It's just uh, we were robbed. I think we should all write Konami a letter and complain about Castlevania Four. Okay, uh, it is something I'd like to be a little more prescient about going forward is uh, difficulty. Mm. But um, another thing I'd like to be prescient about is Craig. I don't think there would be, but any problem with colorblindness? No, not as far as I'm aware, unless I horrifically missed things, not even knowing they existed. <laughs> um, didn't have a lot of problem at all. I think uh, colorblindness these days, it's more in more modern games, oddly, because... There's more of a colour palette, which is an oh, odd thing point. to yeah. say. So I think the further back in time you go, the less, unless something is really obnoxious, like slightly varying shades of purple for a puzzle or something, I, I tend to get on better with older games. Okay. Mm. It's just something I'd like to try to keep in mind because, again, that whole discourse about difficulty, you know, for me, um, difficulty is the one thing that games can do that other mediums can't. You can't make a movie hard to watch in in a difficulty sense. It can be in a normal sense. You, know, you can't make it hard to turn the pages of a book of like, haha, you didn't get to flip that last page because you couldn't lift it. You can't do that. So difficulty in video games for me is is part of the storytelling. But then, you know, what was going on with the discourse was but what about people with accessibility problems? And for that, yeah, sure. Every accessibility like, okay, I guess let me boil it down for you guys. So Sekiro came out, right? Mm-hmm. And it was so hard, a lot of reviewers couldn't finish it. And some of them resorted to cheating to finish it. Really? Right? You know, yes, yeah. Uh, in terms of, you know, hey, here's a little more life. You know, maybe you hit a little harder. They they started running uh, trainer programs with mm. it to finish it. That or That discussion aside... That got a lot of people where, well, I'm sure you're very familiar with these people, Mike. The Get Good crowd came out, right? I've never, I, I, I don't have any personal experience with them. I don't know who they are, and they're not affiliated with me in any way. 
<laughs> okay, well, I heard you were the head. Quick to yeah. refute this here. Hang on a second. You're that's really a, defensive. That sounds just like old school, you know, just old school game style, really. The thing is, you have to remember Castlevania 4 came out at a time where, you know, maybe if I was a bit older, I would have thought, oh, I haven't got enough time to be pissing about with this. But but really, you know, you absorb these. We, we most, most likely, I don't think any single person here on this show completed it the right way it would have been back in the day and which is you know blood sweat and tears and getting through the thing i mean how many save states how many times did you use save states in the end dave um we're talking like saving or loading uh yeah loading them uh, um a good chunk mainly on that treasure level like i would say i restarted it probably five six times yeah to get through it fair enough fair enough fair enough so, but I mean, even then, you would have got to continue to start the stage over again anyway. So it wouldn't have been too too bad a loss. But it's kind of like, you know, I don't think we played it as pure as purely as it would have been back in the day. And we probably did miss oh, a no. little bit from it because you probably would have been a hell of a lot more excited. Like I was on that day when I was fighting them bison on level eight difficulty. And I gave up after three, three hours and threw the control pad at the team. Uh, the TV screen. <laughs> nothing was broken, surprisingly. But, you know, that, that was a, a lesson. And I have done it years later. But but it's kind of like, you know, you'd have to be a madman to do that today. You know, there's a lot more sort of well, taking of your time, I guess. I don't know. But if it's something like Sekiro, I think, you know, for me on a, on a Souls game, again, I'm not ashamed to admit, if I lose against a boss 50 times, that's just expected. It's fine. It's just normal. I'll do a 51. And then, you know, maybe about attempt 120, I'll give up and beat him first first thing next day. But it's kind of like... Those are the worst, right? Those are the worst. Um, well, what makes Sekiro a little different and why it, it kind of sparked all this conversation and yelling and screaming and calling people fake gamers and all that nonsense is there is no... You get a very tuned amount of heals. Hmm. There is no over-leveling anything. There is no finding sneaky ways around it. Everything is very well tuned to where, no, if you're going to beat this boss, you're going to do it the way we want you to do it. Have at it, son, kind of thing. But we've become, pa- um, we've become and- patient with trying things over and over again. That's, that's probably why a lot of us play games in the first place, I'm going to guess. Well, that that's kind of my opinion of it, and 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 of course, like I've said before, the people that bring up accessibility problems of oh, like I don't, I only have partial usage of my hand, it sucks, I can't finish this. You're right, that does suck. There should be some kind of option, but there's got to be some what sort it boiled of, down to. For, there's going to be a controller option for them. Microsoft release more time. Sekiro is out on the Microsoft machine, so there you go. Yeah. Um, a lot of people were having trouble just because no matter what they tried, they could not finish it. And uh, t- to be fair, I don't think they're fake gamers that couldn't finish this. It was the, look, you spent six hours trying to beat this boss and you can't do That's it. Standard. That's standard. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I kind of agree with you because games are the only place where, no, you have to be skilled to see the end. <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. I think if if you want to... Which one? Sorry. I, I don't think there's a, a problem having an easy mode either. I wouldn't be too fussed. Probably... That... You know, my, that's where I'm My stuck. pride on the game, unless it's tied to trophies, doesn't doesn't really matter. You know, if the trophy says, oh, you... Oh, I agree. If it, you know, if it's like Ninja Gaiden where you get a little, what was it, bunny ears or something stupid. You were dog ninja, man. 
<laughs> I can't remember what was it. Did, ninja oh, don't dog. you get like a flower in your hair or something? Something stupid on Ninja Gaiden if you play it on easy. Uh, Metal Gear Solid did that too, didn't it? With the chicken hat. Chicken hat. I think so. If you're playing on easy? I can't remember. But unless there's something that's going to leave some sort of stigma on my profi- profile, I'm not, you know, I'm not too fussed. I'll just... I'm okay with, I'm okay with yeah. difficulties. It's, it's fine. If someone else wants to use them, that's fine. I'll always go for normal to start off with. Well, yeah, the argument was, should they have included it? You had half the crowd saying, yeah, they should have included it. And the other half saying, no, this is the video game's vision is to be this hard. You should not have an easy mode. And that's where the real argument came from is should you have it or shouldn't you? That's the that's the difference, though. If you're a professional game reviewer and you're expected to put up with what is classed as the normal mode, you should be going for it because, you know, that's what your audience is. That's who's going to read the review. They don't want to hear about something where you fought a boss which only has, you know, three of its ten moves available to it because it's playing in easy mode. You might not even see the majority oh. of content of the game that way, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. I And my opinion of video game reviewers has changed a lot over even since we started this, right? Like, before, I was very much in the crowd of, no, every, every reviewer should finish the, every game that they review and this and that and, you know, make sure you finish... Now I'm not so fussed, mainly because reviews mean well, a lot less to that's me. That's the other thing. If if there's someone who's going to be playing it on normal difficulty as well, they probably don't care as much about your your review. So, kind of. it, it is a good point. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, video game reviewers are very much writers first, video game players second in terms of because you want a nice, well written review, not so much a mm. a and then I and then I and then I, you know. I don't know. Um, I, I'm still a little 50-50 on where I sit, especially when it comes to Sekiro. I mean, I'd really love at some point for us to do Sekiro because yeah. there were times in the game where I was like, this is ludicrous. This is insanely hard. Can't do it. Then you would do it four hours later mm. and come back and go, all right, this is the best game ever. This feels so good. And then you'll hit that patch again where it's like, you want me to do what? And I mean, I finished it. But it was by far the hardest game I've played in the last 10 years. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll come play it for you, Dave. There you go. I'd, I'd, love, I'd love to have a talk with you guys about it. Like, that is really high on my list of games I wish you guys would play. No guilt intended. Anyway, we should get back to Castlevania because Craig is back. Um, you, you know, something, something that's probably worth discussing is the music. Because this... Uh, you mean amazing music? That, that would be the one. So Castlevania has... Castlevania Super Castlevania 4 has its own soundtrack. I don't think any other Castlevania game even slightly touches this for the sort of the direction it's going. It seems like there's... It's just it's just completely based on that SNES chip. And I'd, I'd, I'm tempted to say as, as good as Square Enix are... Or well, Squaresoft at the time, I think, I think Super Castlevania Four might be the best NES soundtrack. Oh, oh, that is that is that is you just opened up that barrel of worms, sir. <laughs> um, Donkey Kong Country Two would like to say hello. I, I, I oh, was no. wondering why you used barrel of worms there, but that was as soon as you said <laughs> that, I was like, oh yeah, um, right. I'm not, I'm not. I 
this this soundtrack is very different than other Castlevania games for sure. Absolutely. Um, even in Symphony, like even going forward and behind it, most Castlevania soundtracks were this is just a song to listen to while you're playing. You know, it's a nice, upbeat, cool tune to listen to while you're whipping stuff. Uh, this feels almost more ambiance soundtrack. Mm. Like it seems to play more in with each level rather than just having you know vampire killer thrown in on a whim of like, hey, level three, that's vampire killer. You know, this one's bloody tears. You know, things like that. It, it feels like they looked at the level and went, okay, let's make a piece of music that fits this level more. There is something iconic Somebody's about it all, though. It's all really, I don't, would you say gothic or would you say kind of just really... Oh, yeah, it's gothic. Really iconic. It just seems like everything in there kind of, you know, it has a reason for every every track. In it. I mean, there are there are a few sort of not as great tracks in there, but for the most part... Even if it's like a quite quite a quite a mellow song, it's you know it hits the right beats. It it doesn't sound like any other Castlevania soundtrack at all to me. No, no, you're right. It, it doesn't. Um, Craig, how do you feel about the music? It's good. It's good. It's, I I will align with your darkness and say that the music fits each level. It feels like they've sat down and said, okay, in this level you're going to be running through here. There's going to be water flowing uphill. There's going to be all this shit happening make a song to fit that and it, it very much follows right the way through the game. It's very nice. Although I haven't had the experience of any previous Castlevania games to see how it would be any different. No, but you have, you have Symphony yeah, to base it off of. I mean, Symphony was good as well. Symphony was very good. Hmm. I, I, I think just personally, it's, I think Symphony is probably my favourite Castlevania mm-hmm. soundtrack, but you know, I got a lot of memories attached to that soundtrack, so that might be why. Yeah. Rondo is... Rondo is 80s moon shoes goodness, man. Oh. I can't um, remember it for his right. little play that. Anyway. <laughs> well, the answer to your problem right there for as little as I played it. Yep. There you go. Um, all right. All right. So, Craig, this time you are a resident boss man. All right. So, um, let, let's let's uh, discuss bosses, see if there's anything that pops up that we'd like to discuss before we call an end to this. Okay, right. Well, shall I just read what I have for each stage's boss? Um, uh, can you flip it up a little bit so it's not stage one, then stage okay. two? Okay. Right, okay. So, let's start with Rockman, you hit and bits fall from ceiling. That would be the golem, sir? <laughs> that is indeed, yes. And stage four... <laughs> <laughs> did that uh, take you by surprise at all? Well, as in the golem in general, hit- or the hitting them and then yeah, yeah like no, just the first couple grows, of times grows, I hit grows. him, I was like, oh, oh, all right, okay, I see what's going on here. But again, it felt like even though I was taking hits from the stuff falling from the ceiling, mm-hmm. I still could put him out of his misery before I was actually in any peril. I think what your what Dave's problem was with this one is that his momentum doesn't change no matter, like a lot of sort of like rocky sand sort of creatures in this the momentum doesn't change when you hit them so it's like there is no knockback on them and they just keep coming straight at you even though they oh no even though they sort of shrink a bit and come back they, they there's no movement they're like they're immune to any sort of pushback but but the thing is because you've got those platforms moving up and down at the sides and he's got like quite quite predictable movement patterns so it makes him quite an easy you know whip magnet you just Smack his head in. And then <laughs> well, yeah. Then once he gets to that point where anywhere those, you whip, all those like is it stalactites and things will sort of fall down. 
I think that's pretty much his only real... Uh, yeah, they're little blocks. Oh, yeah, yeah, blocks even, yeah. But I don't have any real problem with him, as long as I knew that Mode 7 makes him impervious to any sort of knockback for some reason. Um, uh, Interesting little dorky tidbit on him is, like I said, he's not actually an enemy in the game. He's just a background spell. Yeah. Mm. Which I, that's a pretty ingenious way to do it. it if you're going to do it, like this enemy has to grow. Oh, well, let's just make him part of the background where we can stretch him. It's like, ah, that's kind of cool. Sorry. I would have never known that unless you told me, by the way. Now you know. Now you, The more you know. Is that not a thing? I don't know. Do-do-do. I'm not sure. <laughs> anyway, I won't do this for all of these. I've got a couple more. I've got gold bat thing. That's, yeah, the treasure. Yeah. Yep. Treasure horde guy. Yeah, um, I've got. That, um, when when that, sh- that only shoots its projectiles out diagonally, I think. So you can just basically stand right under it and, and keep, whip up. Keep hitting yeah, it yeah. until it does a very occasional vertical drop. Uh, um, I mean, the, the little trick of it turning into smaller bats, I thought was pretty cool, but otherwise, I think it is a bit of a wet fart. Mm. Yeah. Um, I've got a good one. Uh, I've got a good one here. Big lizard thing that falls from ceiling and then a flying thing. So you 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 have played Sepia the Night and you are aware of it. Uh, the the note after that I've got is well these the guys from the Coliseum bit in Symphony of the Night. They were right, yeah. yeah. Slagra and Guybon. Yeah, I thought I they've thought been in a lot of them. Okay, I remember when we played that. You 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 were on about how some of the bosses were returning bosses and blah 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 blah, and I, I did think it was those guys. I've obviously got dancing ghosts. Don't you think the dancing ghost is the most perfect boss ever? Basically, it doesn't even make yeah. it. I don't think it may even makes it across the screen until it's dead. If you just, I've I've never seen its attack. Okay, um, yeah, I agree. That's another wet fart. Uh, an interesting little tidbit. I um, I guess I'll plug it now. So the hardcore gaming one hundred and one guys made a book about the whole Castlevania series. Can't recommend it enough. It is just an awesome read. Evidently, according to that. That is based on the haunted uh, mansion ride at Disney. Hmm. I'm like, oh, well, that's kind of cool. I also read um, for these dancing ghosts the names. Did you get the names? <laughs> oh no, no, that I can't. Fred Asker and Paula Abgul. <laughs> oh god! Wow. <laughs> yeah, wow, that's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> Oh god. Anyway, anyway, that's that's it for the interesting notes. The other ones are pretty obvious, like Frankenstein dude, Night Guy, I've got two headed snake thing. I always have thing or something like that against them. Frankenstein. I thought Night Guy looked pretty cool um, when he breaks out of his thing initially. Oh the Delahan? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he is pretty cool. Mm. I was gonna say let, let's have the checklist, guys. Best boss, worst boss. Worst boss in terms of I hated fighting him, not worst bosses in in terms of, oh. you know, worst design. Well, if you can get the names, the the way around that suits me, of the, the one with the beak. <laughs> oh, um, I think, uh, Slagra. Yeah, yeah. I think that's Slagra, yeah. I, I, I basically kept trying to hit back left and right the drops initially, and then I was like, I was basically praying that I had enough health left for, for a lot of the time, because I, my pattern just wouldn't work. I'm sure it was like a, a jump in and whip and then do it from the other side, but it just never, never worked for me. Yeah, you've got to almost always be moving in a straight line. So if you hit him mm. on the left, you got to keep running to the left. Uh, and it, My problem it. with with him that really threw me off is his invincibility period is way longer than any other boss. Yeah. 
Because you see him cycle through the colors. And you're like, come on, I just want he's coming. Let me hit him. All right. Um, best boss, Mike? Best? Oof. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Uh, do you want to roll back around to me? And I'll have a think on that. Sure, sure. I can Craig, do worst. And, yeah, worst. Honestly, the worst one for me... It wasn't floaty, floaty dancing people. It was actually Bone Dog Man at the start because it was a bit. It was that easy to beat that it put a bad taste in my mouth, or it left a bad taste in my mouth. Thinking, well, that wasn't what I expected for a boss. You know, I thought it would be more grandeur, a bit more difficulty, a bit something else for the first boss in the game. It was like quack, quack, quack. Oh, your dog's dead. Oh, it's a horse because he's riding a horse. <laughs> It's horse, isn't it? I've just got it. <laughs> I was going to wait and see. <laughs> so you go whack, 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 and his horse dies. And you whack, 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 he's dead. And I was like, oh, oh that's, a bit, that's a bit disappointing. My favourite one was the Gollum, now that I know the thing's name, because it okay. was pretty interesting. And it took a wee bit of ducking and dodging and weaving. So, yeah. Um, I didn't know about the Mode 7 um, side of things, so that makes it even cooler to me. Um, worst boss for me, it's it's gonna be death. Oh, I, oh, I hate death in this. Oh, I hate death in this. Um, best boss, it might be. It might. It's either Dracula or Delahan. I really like those two bosses. What one? I mean, what Dracula one was Delahan? Hmm. Delahan was the the suit of armor. All right, okay. All right, Mike. Your yeah, time is up. yeah. I, I mean, I'm I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm I'm between. Oddly enough, you you some of your worst and favorites. <laughs> I liked it that, that death was actually something I could kill this time without as much grief as I expected. But at the same time, I I really liked Dracula. I thought, I mean, I liked parts of Dracula. I didn't like the fire. I definitely didn't like the fire. And they, you know. Oh, the pillars? Yeah, they, they absolutely crease you. You know, when, when the fire which flies around the top of the screen, does more damage than Dracula himself. He's sort of starting to worry a bit, but um, I think I'll go with death. Why not? Do you think the death here is easier than in, in Rondo? Because I if, had more trouble with it here. If you are lucky, if you're lucky, because his, his sides are a lot more predictable than Rondo for a start. On top of that, Oh, true. If he yeah. drops into that combo of, of zooming down into the corner, throwing his scythe out, and you're doing that sort of running away from him, but backwards diagonally slashing him. It feels quite cool. It does feel quite sort of strider-ish, I guess. And I quite like it that, you know, you're, it's not as pixel perfect as you think, but that final jump over his scythe before returning back to hitting him again. There's something cool about it. I think it's got a few little things to it which make you feel quite empowered, especially knowing it's death, and death is quite often a, a badass. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I enjoy it this time. Uh, that vacuum when he when he pulls you That's in. That's the one, yeah. I'd always always got too greedy with that. Mm. Like, oh, maybe I can get ah crap <laughs> every time. All right, so um, I think we're about busted on Castlevania for at least. Uh, I promise it'll be a little while before we do another Castlevania game. Uh, I, I can't say that's by design. It's just we're probably a little burnout on Castlevania right That'll now. It'll be about a week if I'm so, correct. gentlemen. Well, no, that is that is a bloodstained <laughs> game, sir. Okay. I didn't promise no Castlevania like look alike. <gasps> well, we right. do a three D so, Castlevania. Uh, I would love hmm. to see what you guys think of a three D Castlevania. 
Because, like, Lords of Shadow, I think, is pretty good. Like, I genuinely Ooh, like I it. I thought you were talking about but, the N64 duology. Oh, yeah, no, that 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 is that is rightfully maligned. Good, good. Uh, no, but I think there is one pre-Lords uh, of Shadow 3D game that is good. Uh, Curse of Darkness, I think, is good. But we'll have to find out another time. So, Craig and Mike, uh, final thoughts on Super Castlevania 4? For the sniz. I've got a short and sweet final thought, which is I I had a lot of fun playing this game. No, I'm, I'm not actually reading it off a note. I had fun with this. <laughs> it, I didn't think it was as good as Symphony of the Night. I didn't enjoy it as much as I enjoyed Bloodstained that we'll talk about next week. I just thought it was like, yeah, that was good. But I think the, the difficulty flipping for me for, from being difficult bosses and okay platforming to easy bosses and more difficult platforming for me kind of let it wasn't it wasn't what i expected so i was a wee bit bummed but overall i really liked it now um i think i asked you this with rondo too but just because i can't remember so playing this are you interested in playing more of the old school castlevanias or are you pretty much going to stick to everything after symphony kind of thing i think like I think now that I've played this, I might just dip back a bit further and see what else there is because why not? Not okay. I'm just, just curious. Not just now. I mean, I mean, I'll give it a wee while. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mr. Michael, sir. Okay, well, well, yeah. I think Super Castlevania Four has a lot more meat on its bones than I originally thought. I think it's it's a SNES classic, to be blunt. You know, it it's the total package for me. Um, I think the difficulty works right for me, and I'm going to guess that if that's the only detraction really for you, then you know, for me, uh, it's a classic. Yeah, it's every part seems to work right, and at the same time, it's the game so nice. I played it twice, admittedly, secondly in Japanese, but. Uh, <laughs> Is it just because you wanted to see the blood, the boobies, and the whip? Genuinely, I think it's just because I liked playing it. And uh, <laughs> good man. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't put it past me trying it again. In fact, you know, uh, one of my regrets from a, a while back was not getting it when it first came to the 3DS on the, well, the new 3DS on the SNES collection. And I always thought, why did I never do that? So getting it again now, and. You know, playing it, I've just sort of like, I I do wonder occasionally what would Castlevania have been like if Konami had chosen this this style to continue with. Because on paper, things like big fat blocky sprites shouldn't really work, but no, it it does everything I'd want a Castlevania game to do, and I'm you know I, I'm I'm glad to have played it. So yeah, it's going in the classics collection, definitely a top fifty game. It it would be very interesting to see like a sequel to Castlevania Four. That style that would have been interesting. Um, as I'm sure everybody can guess by now, yeah, I, I like Castlevania Four. It's I have a lot of memories of it as a kid. It was a lot of fun, but that should never go into account for what you think of a game. So I'm gonna say Castlevania Four does a couple of rare things. Um, number one, the biggest thing is. A lot of games that use big sprites like this does tend to make the mistake of not having enough lead time 
when enemies are coming into the screen. So, you know, think like Metroid 2 on the Game Boy. You're just so big and enemies come in from nowhere that you can't react to it. This has enough lead time to where even though you're a big old chunky sprite, you can still react to whatever is coming on the other side of that scroll. So, you know, real props to Castlevania for Konami for that. Um, Also, um, there is just something to be said about that whole gothic atmosphere that this pulls off a little bit more than the other ones, mainly because of the the switch in the music and the, the fidelity being a little bit higher. Like, in terms of complete package, I think this sits up there with Symphony in terms of this is just a good... You get everything this game wants to do off of it. You can't really see very many ways to improve it at all. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm a fan of Castlevania 4. It's not my favorite Castlevania game, but, I, you know, it's a very small list of Castlevania games that I don't want to play at any given time. And this makes it on the, the, the good list. So, next week, we will be talking about Bloodstained, Symphony of the Curse of the Night of the Moon, whatever it is. Ritual Blood? What, what is the subtitle? I always forget it. R- Ritual of the Night. Ritual of the Night. All right, so next week it is Bloodstained Moonlight Nocturne. <laughs> if you have any thoughts about it and didn't buy it on the Switch like a couple of oh, dummies God. that I know did, oh, um, <laughs> you should send in your thoughts and, you know, it would be nice to see what people think of it. It seems to be going over very well with a lot of people, but I've seen some dissent in a couple places about it. But, um, yeah, if you want to suggest a game, if you any other thoughts, tell us how you think we can improve the podcast. Uh, you can do that at thebiteffect.com. We have a form you can fill in if you want to suggest a game or just say hi. Uh, and then, of course, the usual, like, you know, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you know, that all that nonsense. So, gentlemen, let us go out this evening for our pleasure, for the night is still young, or something like that. Oh, he nicks it. That's what I was going to do. So, please insert this game disc into a Sony PlayStation <laughs> system. Um, say goodnight, gentlemen. Good night, goodnight, gentlemen. Uh, in a Dracula accent, please. Good night. Good night, gentlemen. That was rubbish. <laughs>